I put whiskey in my drink. Hello, and welcome to the New Two Knitting Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee, here with my co-host, Brian, and we're here to talk about knitting. Except for I'm not going to talk to you, Brian. Well, I want to join you, but uh, I feel like if I step away from the mic, it's going to improve the podcast dramatically because... We have Juliet Robinson to talk to instead. Yeah, Julie. What? What? She is Julie at work on Instagram and on Ravelry. Since it's COVID, is she Julie at work from home? No. Oh, yeah. Don't change any of your names and stuff just because of covid it's dumb oh but she probably is working from home no she's still working yeah for sure oh okay so she's julie she's at work. julie at work from home but work but at work yeah don't change it just keep it where it is that's brian muncie's patented advice for the night for professionals who are obviously have their stuff figured out <laughs> enjoy anyways i talked with julie earlier and it was a great conversation so here we go Julie Robinson, thank you so much for joining us on New to Knitting Podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Kaylee. Thanks for having me. Yay. Where are you joining us from today? I am in Brooklyn, New York. So tell um, tell me, tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. We kind of met online, kind of, through Instagram, through like a mutual friend, and then I started looking at your page and saw that you are a knitwear designer and I was really Mm -hmm. intrigued I thought all your stuff was really awesome and I so I messaged you I was like Julie do you want to be on my podcast (laughs) yes yeah um yeah we were in that we were in a workshop together and uh yeah it was really cool to meet you there um I am, like you said, I'm a knitwear designer. I work as a knitwear and more generally as a fashion designer in my everyday life. Um, And yeah, I work mostly on women's wear, women's apparel. Um, That's really where my my strength and my interest lies. Oh, very cool. So how did you start knitting or when? Uh How old were you? Uh, I first learned when I was like seven, I was at like a Borders bookstore (laughs) and, uh, they had a a kid's class that was like about to start. And I was like, mom, I need to do this. I need to. And we were in this like shopping mall, like a, like a little strip mall thing. And there was a Michaels at the other end. And so she, bless her, uh, walked me over to Michaels and we got some worsted weight yarn, just like dumb acrylic and some mm-hmm. needles and came mm-hmm. back and I learned from this nice Russian lady how to knit in a Borders bookstore. <laughs> that's amazing. And so you were seven. That's so crazy. I feel like that's like a really modern story of how you learn to knit because so many people learn from, you know, their grandma or whatever. I learned from like YouTube way later in life, but I love that. And so what did you make? What was your first project? Uh, a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I basically just started like a swatch. Like I, I said it was going to be a scarf, but it was like pretty narrow. You know, it was probably only like a couple inches wide. Yeah. I never finished, of course. And it yes. was weird and it was lumpy and all of the stitches were, you know, <laughs> dropped and mangled and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. I didn't really get too far on it, honestly. 
Um, and I kind of put it away until I got to high school. And then I finally had a friend like in person who was a knitter who had a mom who knew how to knit. And like we would all do that together. And oh, that's cool. when I really started to like learn. Yeah, we, we had like the Internet by then. Right. Like right. I could go online. And so like uh, this was like around the time like Nitty.com was new. And so mm. to me, that was like all of the knitting on the internet was at nitty.com. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I was like pulling all of my uh, my patterns and stuff from. And then like trying to consult books and whatever articles they had. Yeah. Yeah. I had like a kind of similar story because I tried to do a scarf in college and hated it. And I used this like boucle yarn. So it was so lumpy and big. I couldn't tell where my stitches were. It was just like a big mess and then I gave up and then it was years later that I made my first like hat that you could actually wear. So what, oh, nice. So was a hat your first project? My first like real wearable project for sure. What yeah. did you like to make yeah. when you were in high school? Um, I made a few hats, but I was really into like mitts, like fingerless mitts. Ooh. Yeah. Where Something did you small. grow up? <laughs> did you grow up around Brooklyn? No, um, I'm from Michigan. Uh, I grew up outside of Detroit. Yeah. My parents are still out there. Yeah. Yeah. So much like cooler climate. So you could, I don't know. I always feel like people in Northern America are much more used to knitting. And me in St. Louis, it's just like almost Southern. You know, we're definitely in the Midwest, but it's warm most of the time. So (laughs) it's, yeah. Not a lot of opportunity to wear, like, big worsted weight knits, you know? Totally, totally. But you can still knit with fingering, and it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Those nice, light springtime knits. Short sleeves. (laughs) Yeah. So something I always like to ask people when I interview them is, was there, like, any knitting mistakes you made in the beginning? Just because you were a new knitter, and maybe you didn't know how, or you didn't know all the rules or I mean not that there's real rules but just what's something that maybe it's even like advice you could give a new knitter of something not to do uh never skip a swatch (laughs) yeah so yeah when when I was younger I uh I would always skip swatching I would like I would pretty faithfully follow patterns like I would try to find the yarn Mm -hmm. um but I also was under uh the misguided uh, idea that if it said worsted, that all worsted weight yarns were the same. Mm, So I would skip swatching all the time and that's caused a little heartache and some odd results. (laughs) Yeah. What's, what kind of heartache? Was there an example like a sweater too big or too small or? Um, I don't have a sweater that's particularly heartachey early on, but I had, um, uh, you remember that movie, Elizabeth Town? I've never mm-hmm. actually seen it. But yeah, everybody wanted Kirsten Dunst hat, right? Oh, so yeah. I made, yeah, so I tried to make Kirsten Dunst hat, but it ended up a lot more like Rastafarian, like mm. giant <laughs> Tam <laughs> than like, you know, cute and slightly slouchy. <laughs> so I think that was probably the one that should have taught me, but um, it I, I still didn't swatch after that, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do feel, now, but <laughs> that's good. I feel like I'm still in the face. There's so many things you should do with swatching that I didn't realize in the beginning either. And even the things like um, wash your or block your swatch. 
because oh, yeah. and so I've big. oh my gosh I made <laughs> a cotton vest that I love and I still wear it anyways but it's just I didn't block it out and it was a lace you know design oh, no. and so it blocked oh, out so much bigger than you know what it was when I knit it initially and so it's huge but it's this big like drapey thing so it just drapes a little longer than it was intended and but the real problem was that I ran out of yarn because of it oh no and so I had to you know like buy one more skein from somewhere and it was way more expensive just because the shipping cost twice as much as the yarn and all that (laughs) all those things right yeah that's rough that's so rough (laughs) I know sometimes though I it's hard for me because like um I as since I've started getting more yarn online or from other people where they like choose the colors for me um sometimes things don't look the way that I thought they would and it's always a little bit hard because I'm like oh it's wrong and then I kind of freak out a little bit and I'm trying to get better about like looking at it being like oh this isn't what I thought like walking away and coming back and trying to like appreciate it for like what it is you know and be like this isn't what I thought but it's still good you know yeah and so it sounds like that's kind of what you're doing with your with your top right like it's a little longer it's a little drapier right I love that it's so true and I feel, okay, so this is going to get like philosophical a little bit. I feel like knitting patterns are a little bit like music theory because sure. you it's got the instructions, but you're going to play it and you're going to make it a little bit differently than the original designer. You're going to like do your best, but if you use slightly different yarn, it's going to have a different drape or different fiber content or whatever. But yeah. the, the idea is there and beautiful. It's just a slightly different interpretation. It's going exactly. to be like, yeah, to it's you. all interpretations. Yeah. No, you're, you're spot on. That's exactly it. I, I think that's like, you know, um, there's been like a lot of talk in, um, with amongst designers about like what to include in knitting patterns, how to word things. And I mean, there's always like talk about that, but I think that's kind of, for me, the key is like, how do I give you the most accurate information that will allow you to recreate it exactly as you want if that's really what you want but also so that you have the knowledge of what it should be so that you can make smart choices to like riff on it however you see fit because it is your garment you know yeah like that's like the most wonderful thing about like what we do is that like you know you have a bunch of people who are uh very creative and highly opinionated (laughs) and they can make whatever they want you know yeah so it's my job to help you do that so what is something that you would include to help people get to that point? What would you include in your pattern? Um, I think uh, right now one of the big topics of conversation is how we talk about yarns. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, talking about the characteristics that a certain yarn has. Because when, um, when you're doing design, um, depending on your agreement with whoever, or if you have an agreement with like a, another person, um, sometimes you're not allowed to recommend some other yarn. Mm-hmm. So if I have an explicit agreement with a brand, I'd be like, okay, I use this brand's yarn. This is what it's called. This is how much of it is in there. This is how much it weighs, you know. So I give you all of these pieces of information um, so that you can go out and find something that's similar, something that's a similar weight, something that has a similar fiber content, something that's going to look, you know, if not the same, at least, you know, very close to what I have done, you know, 
so you can find something that's available in your market or something that's more, you know, budget friendly for you, that sort of thing. I love that. That's like really good, you know, knitting beginner information. And I found that too. We don't have a lot of local um, yarn stores where I live. And actually in the past two years, like three of them shut down. And so you can't go in and feel the yarn, you know, you need to buy online or you're buying from like a craft superstore. And so to know... I think, and especially in the beginning, I didn't know that if something was, you know, like a wool cotton blend or something, it's going to have a lot more drape and weight versus something that's all wool, maybe a lot lighter. And it's going to like not have that drape weighted effect. Right. It's going to like lift up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, all those things you just don't know. And then it takes me, you know, like subbing yarns and finding that out, just like you said, and thinking like, oh, well, that worked out differently (laughs) right yeah Yeah. (laughs) totally yeah um I think yarn substitution is like one of the hardest things to kind of like get into especially if you know like you said you don't have a lot of physical resources that are immediately available to you because like you really do learn by touch and by feel Mm -hmm. and if you can't touch and feel it like how are you supposed to gather this information so something that I like to do when I am investigating a new yarn, um, there's a website called yarnsub.com. Really? Which is, I think this is a great resource probably for you and, and a lot of beginner knitters too. Um, so go to yarnsub.com and you can look up a yarn that's recommended in your pattern and it will match in its database other yarns that are available and similar. And it will kind of give you a percentage rating of how close it is and what kind of characteristics according to the information in the database, um, it shares with your original yarn. So you can kind of like make a, make a call that way. Um, and I also love going through like Ravelry projects because you'll probably see a lot of those yarns in people's finished projects. Um, you can look up the yarn and see what everybody's made. And in that way you can kind of get a feel for like what it looks like in different contexts and on different needles and in different colors. Yeah. That's what I usually do. I like doing that. It's a good feature of Ravelry to see. Sometimes even if I want to knit a project, I'll look at their project pictures too and then see like, oh, what kind Mm -hmm. of yarn did they use? What kind of yarn did they use? That looks a little different, you know, and compare. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's such a great um, tip. So I'm going to put that in our... um, in our show notes too. So, but let's take a quick break and then we'll get back to talking a little bit more. Okay. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you about my Ravelry store where I have new patterns coming out all the time. So you can find me on the designer page at Kaylee Kirkland, but the links you can also find me through our Instagram, which is new to knitting podcast and online on our website so check us out there find my latest designs and come uh, knit with me Uh, now I really want to ask you more about um, your designing so how did you get started designing knitwear um it sounds really stupid but one day I just decided I would do it (laughs) so um I'm relatively new to designing knitwear but like I said I went to fashion school I've been working as a fashion designer for about a decade at this point um but the stuff that I do in my job as a fashion designer um 
only sort of overlaps with what I do as a knitwear designer. Um, being a knitwear designer is a much more like a, a hybrid job. It's kind of like what I do plus another job, which is called a technical designer. Mm -hmm. um, so the technical designer usually will take care of the technical aspects of the garment. So those are things like how long it is, um, uh, the exact dimensions of it, basically, how it's shaped. Um, I typically work as like a creative designer. So what I'm doing is I'm drawing the pictures and pitching it to people and they're saying, yes, we'll make that. No, we won't make that. Um, and I'm, you know, picking all the colors. I'm saying where everything goes, what it should be made out of, all that sort of fun stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, I maintained, uh, knitting as like a hobby for, you know, all these years and, um, I never really like made my own patterns, like not even for myself. I did like one sweater one time, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I was just sitting here and thinking and I was like, yeah, when I was like a kid, one of the biggest accomplishments I thought I could have as an adult would be to, you know, look at something in like the pages of Vogue and just be like, oh, that looks really nice. I bet I could make that. <laughs> and it, it was really just like so, so stupid. I was just like sitting there thinking about like a sweater I would kind of like to make. And I was like looking at Ravelry and I couldn't find it. And then I was like, wait, <laughs> I have these skills. <laughs> yeah. I could do that. And so, um, I was like, yeah, why don't I try to do that? And um, I looked on nitty.com and was like, oh, I wonder if they're accepting submissions. And it turns out they were. It was like about a month or so out. And so mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, sure. As a challenge to myself, let me design the sweater that I want for me and let me submit it to Nitty and see what happens. And um, they ended up accepting it. And that's how I started writing my first pattern. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me more about that. So when you say they were had open submissions, what it were they, did they have a call for like something specific, like they wanted sweaters or how did that work? Was it just totally open? Yeah. Nitty is always totally open. They don't have any, uh, creative direction. Um, they just have, uh, periods of time when they're accepting open submissions and, uh, they're for a specific season. So mm -hmm. you just need to pay attention to that. So heavier garments and um, accessories for fall and then lighter things for spring and summer. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's totally up to you. Um, I was lucky. They're always on the lookout for garments. Mm -hmm. uh, it says that on their submission page that uh, if you want to submit a garment, you're possibly likely to, more likely to get accepted. Um, but yeah, you just go to their website. They have a whole page about it. It's called submissions and they'll give you all of their guidelines and they'll tell you exactly how to lay out your submission and, um, you know, what to include, what not to include, all that sort of good stuff. And they pay you too, which is nice. <laughs> That's awesome. And did you yeah. have it all worked out before you submitted or did you just submit an idea? Um, for that, I submitted a pattern. I had the whole pattern written out. Mm -hmm. Usually when I submit ideas, I don't. Um, you, for most magazines, publications, um, they're a lot more exacting. They'll give you a mood board. They'll give you a color story. Mm -hmm. And I will design into that. Um, sometimes, occasionally, I'll have something in the vault that, you know, I haven't got around to making yet or that I pitched to somebody else that would fit their theme. And then I'll submit that. But usually I'm coming up with something new. Um, and for a magazine submission, 
I usually try to keep it to like one page. There's like a swatch because mm-hmm. I swatch now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> there's a sketch front and back of the garment. I will list out the design details. So um, the last thing I did was like a, a raglan sweater and I started bottom up. So I'd be like, oh, it's a bottom up raglan sweater. Mm-hmm. It has a one by one rib. Here's the body stitch, blah, blah, blah. It's an oversized fit that sort of stuff. And then I'll have a little paragraph or two of like romance language about like what inspired the garment, where I see it being worn, how it's supposed to make you feel, how it fits into like the larger uh, vision of the brand, the, the magazine, whoever I'm pitching to. Very cool. And so, so once you submit that and they give you a go ahead and you write out the pattern, are you writing a pattern just for your size or how does that work? Do you tech, do they have technical editors who maybe grade it to different sizes or? It depends on who you're dealing with. Um, not everybody does. Um, I have the capability to grade my own pattern. So when I did, um, when I did the pattern for Nitty, I had to grade it myself. That's one of their requirements. Um, But when I have done some work for Knit Collage in the past, I have not graded my garments. I'll just give them the sample size and um, maybe I'll make some notes about it and about, you know, this is the body that it's supposed to fit to, this is their bust size, this is the armhole drop, this is how much ease it has, Uh, but then they kind of take it from there. Very cool. So that, yeah, that's a big... A big scale, I guess, from different (laughs) companies asking for different things. Yeah, it it is. Um, I think that's something that's interesting, though, is that like nobody, there's no, there's no real definitive answer to who owns grading in hand knitting. Mm -hmm. Um, So like when in in my day job, I would never do that. I would never touch that. Um, I would give at most what we call initial specs, which are not even like the total specs for the garment. So I might note things like uh, how deep the neckline is because that would be considered a design detail. And Mm -hmm. I would tell, you know, if there's a graphic on a t-shirt, I would say it's this far in from the side and this far up from the bottom. Um, But when it comes to my knitwear design, suddenly I'm, you know, responsible for every single (laughs) aspect of the garment and its fit. And yeah. I'm responsible in certain cases for every single size. <laughs> yeah. And that would be, you know, the technical designer's job um, if I was working for a more mainstream fashion company. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes a lot. It takes a lot to do knitwear design. Um, I've been working with a couple um, grading clients um, and tech editing clients privately. And some of the people that I'm working with are a little bit earlier in their careers and I think you know even for people who know how to design when they encounter that aspect of it they can easily feel overwhelmed you know um because mm-hmm. there is there is a lot to it it's a lot of math mm-hmm. um it's not all just kind of like eyeball it put it there <laughs> right you know yeah yeah I like that I'm always saying like in my Instagram captions and stuff that I like the math me and my husband Brian met in math class and so oh, I'm just cute. like, I'm embracing the love of math for my life, probably because of our story. <laughs> <laughs> I see that a lot. I see a lot of knitters who um, do more like 
STEM related things in their in their careers, you know, yeah. if that's like, you know, computer science or programming, you know, math, math teacher, that sort of thing. Yeah. I've even seen It's a great I think it's a great creative outlet cuz you can you can like definitively follow, you know, the math to the art, you know. Yeah. I love that. Um so tell us where we can find you and your designs. How can we find your designs that have been published and self-published and all of that um the most comprehensive place you can see it in one spot is Ravelry Mm -hmm. um I'm Julie at work on Ravelry and on all platforms basically I'm Julie at work on Instagram my website is julieatwork.com and yeah those are the three best places to find me oh perfect All right, Julie, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, And we'll have everything linked so people can come find you on Ravelry on Instagram. I always do a news desk, so Instagram is where I normally send people to. Um, But that was so fun. It was fun to get to know you. Even in this weird pandemic time, we can still see each other face-to-face kind of through the computer and (laughs) still chat a little bit. So thank you. Uh, Thank you. And for us, you can always find us new to knitting podcasts on Instagram. And you can find us online at new to knitting podcast.com. And we will have um, all our info and find me on Ravelry as uh, K Beth and Kaylee Kirkland on the designer page. Bye. Bye. <laughs>